0: Welcome to Leading with Curiosity, command and control leadership is dead. We interview leaders, entrepreneurs, and executive coaches challenging old paradigms and fostering cutting-edge leadership. Here's your host, certified executive coach, Nate Leslie. Hello, listeners. Welcome to the show. My guest today is Jennifer Konopaki. Jen is the executive director of sport at Winsport in Calgary, Alberta. With over 20 years of experience in the sport and recreation industry, Jen cares deeply about the role sports can play in our lives and the impact her leadership can have on her teams. She's invested heavily in her own leadership development as a believer in the value of certified executive coaching. It's not the only thing that's landed her on this podcast, though. We also share a journey as close friends from kindergarten to grade 12. Jen, welcome to Leading with Curiosity. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great.
0: Right on. Why don't you start just by setting the context of the role that you're in and and, and what windsports all about?
1: I will. Uh, before I do that, though, I have to acknowledge how fun it is to connect with you and uh, go on this journey together. So that's special to me.
0: Right on. I'm proud right now too. Let's get let's get her going. Thanks, Jen. Let's
1: get it out there. Um, yeah. So windsport is uh, the home of the 1988 Winter Olympics here in Calgary, Alberta. And uh, today it is the legacy venues and facilities from, from those games. But uh, over 30 years later, it looks quite a bit different. And it's an incredibly diverse uh, campus of sport, active living, recreation. From a ski hill to four arenas, a gym, uh, outdoor summer programs, downhill mountain biking. Wow. Events and food and beverage.
0: Okay. Wow. Yeah. When we connected, in my mind, I knew it was Canada Olympic Park. I knew where it was. And in the hockey world, it has become such a landmark in Canada. So like people, there's sport organizations, Hockey Canada is based there. Just tell us a little bit about the the high performance side.
1: Yeah, a lot of uh, uh, national sport organizations and provincial sport organizations and clubs really are located here. They have their office space. This is sort of their headquarters um, as you mentioned, Hockey Canada being one. And um, our mission is really discover, develop, and excel. So it's the continuum um, that exists here. Um, when you look at the Canadian uh, long term athlete development model, it's every age and stage is active and well here, including that high performance. And uh, a number of Canada's winter athletes train. At the high Performance Training center before they go on uh, to the games.
0: I love that. you know, I, I work very closely with the Richmond Olympic Oval here in Vancouver. We run all their hockey programs and it's a really awesome place to be. And that long-term athlete development model gets talked about and lived so much there. I think there, we don't have the hills you have, but we have some parallel philosophy and inclusiveness of that pathway from the community. Through to the Olympians, is that is that right?
1: That's yeah, and I I'm glad you brought up Richmond because I think they're a brilliant example of the game is the games are like 14 days, right? Mm -hmm. And then you're left with the infrastructure and the facilities, and how do you integrate them into the community and have them be part of that uh, the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years? And you have to be you have to reimagine how those facilities can then be repurposed reconfigured to serve the community and yeah. that's not easy to do Richmond's As, a great example of okay. doing it right in my yeah. opinion awesome. what I've experienced
0: when we're coaching there on the Olympic hockey rinks to think okay there's there was for 14 days this 400 meter indoor speed skating track or whatever the distance is you should know that and you're looking up at the Olympic rings, you know, I take my seven-year-old out for, he's just kind of getting into hockey and we look around at this big space. And I, I have a feeling at, at, at Winsport, it has just the setting and the 88 games that I remember sitting with you in grade five, Yeah. Uh, you know, watching them on a color TV that somebody wheeled into the library in Carmen elementary for us, you know, Yeah. like that's, and there you are the geez. There you are, the executive director of sport at the facility that, you know, we kind of probably first fell in love with Olympics, actually. Have you ever thought about yeah. that?
1: You know what, uh, Nate, I have not.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, when I put that yeah. in context in your role now, what comes to mind?
1: Well, I think it it speaks to the power of sport, right? It's a vehicle. It's a vehicle For everyone to realize who they are and what they can do, what they're capable of when they work hard and apply themselves and believe in themselves. And that's, I mean, that's the essence of why I fell in love with sport. And uh, that speaks to, yeah, it gives children and youth an opportunity to realize what they're capable of. Even if that's a healthy, active lifestyle, that's, crit- you know, that's just as critical.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's the foundation. That's the, that's the base of the pyramid. And if some happen to move on, isn't that awesome? That's awesome. And yeah. let's support I can't them. even
1: imagine like yeah. what it would be like to represent your country, right?
0: Yeah. Let's support athletes where they're at. Yeah. And the conversation you have with a recreational level athlete can be, gets to be different then the conversation you're having with a high performance athlete and if you don't ask questions here we go on the leadership and the coaching thing if we if you're not curious about the athlete you're talking to or the coach you're talking to how much is missed right what do you think about that yeah
1: well and what your comment what that brings up for me is uh you know talking to a small child on a field or a sheet of ice and like having them believe in themselves that's leadership too right mm-hmm. and being that mirror back to this small child on a bike for the first or second time or skates the first and second time you could do this you know and you're like holding their hand and you're creating an environment which we do in leadership and they can feel that we believe in them and then they feel empowered and that is that is what gets me out of bed
0: that's not a metaphor, but let's consider that a metaphor, the way we conduct ourselves as coaches of small children, translating directly an evolution to the way you're leading the leaders in sport at Winsport. Just rattle off for me the, the, the great people you have on your team that I've had the privilege of meeting briefly. Um, what sports do they represent right now?
1: Uh, hockey. Uh, mountain biking, skiing, snowboarding, would are our main. But we also work with uh, rugby players, football players, lacrosse, uh, you name it. Yeah, a, a quite a, a diverse uh, offering of sport.
0: I love that. It's sort of a rare occasion that someone gets to work with so many different sports and finding the commonality and the bonds between them, and and also the unique opportunities within each sport. Most of us kind of live in our one sport once we get going as professionals. So um, tell me a little bit about your investment in your own leadership development over the years.
1: So uh, I think I've taken every chance uh, to engage in education if offered uh, throughout the last 20 years. And uh, probably, yeah, I remember early in my twenties doing a number of modules, uh, leadership modules on uh, how to. I think it was called Coach for Success. Uh, There's a number of them, and I remember just soaking it, soaking it in, and being like, "Wow! Like there, here's a formula. Here's a template. Mm-hmm. Here's um, a, a step-by-step process." To work with people and I it, I took the training it's often it's easy to to go through you know training and and not take it seriously and I soaked it in and then I started practicing and then it was you know a year later I was like wow I'm, I'm actually doing this naturally now like it's I'm doing it without having to pre-plan and and I was getting the results. I was seeing people develop before my eyes and this is early days like I would have yeah. been mid-20s. Uh, see people develop and their confidence and increase. And I then became very hungry for it myself because I was like, I love this. It fed me. When I saw them experience success, I wanted to develop my skills more to be able to have a bigger impact. And so that was the start of the journey. And then most recently, I've just completed uh, my executive leadership program through Queens uh, Smith School of Business out of Kingston. And that, um, I did a lot of research because I was considering doing my MBA. I looked at a number of different programs, a number of different institutes, and uh, I ended up going with Queens. And that program was a springboard. It changed It changed everything. Um, in a very concentrated week uh, in a course called Transformational Leadership, I, I realized who I am. And I realized um, the, my executive coach, through, we had an executive coach through the program, she looked at me and she read my assessment, you have to do a 360 and all this. And she's like, uh, you're soup to nuts. And Jennifer, where are you going? And uh, what do you have your eyes set on? And in that moment, I, I was like, I can do this. I can lead big change. And... I love having an impact, positive impact on people. So the power uh, of executive leadership and investing in yourself is you can't put a value on that. It, and here I am in the position I am and I do have moments where I'm like, how the heck did I get here? Like, (laughs) am I qualified? But yeah.
0: You and I reconnected after a few decades of, of, being apart uh, with our friends from Carmen Collegiate on a you know a, a grad zoom reunion in the middle of a pandemic and i didn't say to myself, "How the heck did you get there but I thought that is so awesome where you've where you've taken your career, and that uh, I'm really proud of you and that yeah. that through line of coaching and thirsty for development um, and self awareness is yeah. what made me think Jen needs to come on this podcast and share this with other leaders. And I'd just like you to tell me like a little bit more about that. Um, yeah. Just expand on that, on that discovery and, and that experience at Smith and working with an executive coach.
1: Well, it was confidence really. Cause when I did the self-assessment and I realized um, So let's just use uh, introvert versus extrovert, Mm -hmm. right? So you go through this assessment of all the different uh, profiles and getting a sense of who you are. And you're typically, and they give you a scale. And so you're typically on the far end of the scale as an introvert or or the opposite being an extrovert, as an example. And I realized through all of these different categories and profiles that I was down the middle which is not normal. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I, at the end of the day, my executive coach at the time said, you know, you're really balanced. Like you're really balanced and you can flex and adapt where you need to based on your audience. And in that moment, I was like, Oh my gosh. And I, I realized that really early on as a leader in my twenties, I was like, you've got to be a chameleon, right? Your job is to be a lizard. And you go around and you change your skin color based on who you're with, right? You They don't change. You change as a leader because it's your job to mirror back to them who they are, where they're at, and where they can go, right? So you have to be the adaptable one, not, not who you're working with, right? And then they're on their own journey. And and uh, I've always done that. And I've always valued leaders that have had the ability to adapt with On that learning journey with their people and then when I saw it on paper on a professional profile I was like holy smokes that says a lot and now I can see who I am and how I show up and why I show up the way I do and why I get the success I get right because I have so much capacity and this is me learning to be a vulnerable leader I love like I love the people I work with Nate. I love them awesome. I I want the, I genuinely want the best for them.
0: I I want them to grow.
1: I want them to go above and beyond me, way beyond me. Like I'm just an instrument. I'm a tool and I, or I'm on their path and it's my job to see them shine and grow and go. Right. And so that's, and then that's where I get so happy. Like that's, I just am so fulfilled by that.
0: I can see the energy in you just just describing that. And that is your superpower, that, that chameleon, the ability to adapt. I love how you said, for a skeptic who was wondering where you're headed with that, to be there, to mirror back to them how they see themselves and to be there for them is so powerful. It's, you know, the old... Uh, saying from, I guess it's the Bible, treat others how, how you'd like to be treated, but rather modern leaders treat others how they would like to be treated. Yeah. And, a, and an old school hockey coach tried to treat everybody equally and right. the same. And a modern leader needs to treat everyone fairly and differently.
1: Yes. Those are the
0: things that are coming up for me as you describe that ability to adapt for your audience whether it's an audience of 1 or 20 or 100 right
1: yeah and what that brings up for me Nate, is uh the ability to speak the truth right i think that is uh part of that coaching and mirroring is when you sit down with someone and you're uh focused on their development and and where they can go or where they need to go or where they're stuck um you have to be able to speak the truth like, you know, you do it with kindness and you do it considerably, like with consideration around them. Um, but that is a weapon, speaking the truth, right? And I've sat down with some of my leaders and and been like, okay, what's, what's going on here? Like, something's not right. We need to get to the root. And uh, this is what I'm observing. And uh, let's talk about that, right? Like, I'm not interested in fluff. I'm not interested in fluff. Like I want to go right down into the essence of like, what is at play here? And then that means going deep. you got to go deep with people. And uh, that takes capacity because not everyone's ready to get real fast. It's
0: uncomfortable. (laughs) So uh, that uh, leadership circle would call that your courageous authenticity, which is actually an area of development for me. So what's tip, trick, step-by-step were the words you used early on in in describing your leadership journey uh, in having those difficult conversations in a way that are really effective and to to the point and and thoughtful?
1: Um, What's coming to mind for me is maybe um, a profound experience I had in my own leadership around truth that then well whether it is or isn't this this is coming to mind so i'll share it (laughs) so i uh i had a i had a a life coach um when i right before i i was worked with summer sport for 10 years and then i applied for a job here at winsport it was a manager job and then i've been here almost 10 years and so when i went from you know the first leg of the journey to the second leg, um, I had a life coach right in the middle of that. And I swear, Nate, that if I hadn't had that life coach and I didn't have the experience I had, I never would have experienced the success I'm having now. Wow. And so what I learned, uh, so she took me through, I think it was a wheel, like an exercise of your life, right? And, and the balance here, there, and everywhere. And through her coaching, I realized uh, at that point in my leadership development that I was taking too much responsibility for too many people. Mm. So I had a team. And the team did well, that was a reflection on me. Mm-hmm. If the team didn't do well, it was a reflection on me. And if you know a certain individual was not doing well, I had a part in that. And so the point is, I was taking on way too much responsibility. All right? Mm-hmm way too much responsibility. And I, through that coaching, she took me back to an experience in my youth where my dad sat me down and he had a conversation with me about something in our family. And I saw my dad take the weight of the world on. And I must have picked up that behavior where I'm responsible and for everybody and myself. And I'd been carrying that around in my leadership journey. It was a crutch. It was a crutch. I couldn't let go of work. I couldn't let go of people. I couldn't let go, right? Because I I was inserting myself without any self awareness and any realization. And then, if I would have gone from that uh, facility and that career to where I'm at now, which is a lot bigger, I would (laughs) crumble. Right? Through that coaching, I realized no, that's not my values. That's not the way it works. And I don't want to exhibit that behavior. And I'm free. I can be free. And so I literally felt this weight lift off me. And I went into this new, uh, with I, you know, went into my new job with this new employer. And I walked around and things would go sideways. And I'd be like, okay, well, let's deal with it. We'll figure it out. Right, because I was then um, not responsible. I'm, I'm only responsible for me, right and on. that's very empowering. So, yeah.
0: I can see you say that with conviction and this um, with this confidence that if you were leading me, I would feel like, oh wait, I got to pick up my bootstraps because Jen's taking responsibility for Jen. That means Nate's taking responsibility for Nate. I can, I, I just had that feeling. <laughs> yeah. Thumbs up.
1: It's thumbs up. And you and I talked about that, right? Where I'm like, get in the boat. Like, it's like the uh, Navy SEALs. Yeah. Get in the boat. I'm in the boat. You get in the boat. (laughs) I'll help you. I'll help you. But to a certain extent, like we all. And so back to your original question, uh, that's why you have to speak the truth. That's why you have to, um, you know, get real with people and help them take responsibility and accountability for their life and their actions
0: that can scale the other way can't the other way of the weight of the world you can only hold so much but what you're describing you're the size of your team the scope of your problem sounds like it can scale and that's how to scale your leadership is 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 the key to to developing as a leader and growing into new roles yeah segue maybe kaizen. kaizen yeah tell me about plan execute review
1: Okay, so I uh, worked with um, Dr. Steven Norris uh, as my first VP here at Winsport. And that was one of the, probably the first uh, operational practices that I uh, adopted from him, which was brilliant. So um, we need to run these cycles annually or you know quarterly or even just within one project. So you plan, up front, lots and lots and lots of planning. If you do that correct, execution is easy and then review is critical, right? So critical to then look back, what worked, what didn't work, why, what do we need to carry forward? What do we need to learn? And then uh, you run the cycle again. And so, and the whole concept behind that is Kaizen which is a Japanese principle of constant improvement. And you're really I've since Steve put that out there you, you it's in our it's our industry now it is in sport and I hear a lot of sport leaders use it and it's brilliant right because you're constantly uh, in practice of learning growing adapting adjusting and whether it's on a micro or a macro level if you will and and uh, that's that's constant change right yeah. Yeah. And then we've taken it further, which I love when working with children and youth and fail forward. Right. There's no mistakes. Right. Just like it's about that constant learning and reflection, whether you're again on your bike, on your skis, on on the ice. And that's the culture and the atmosphere that we try to create with our instructors is like we celebrate failure. We celebrate it. It's like, yeah, pick nice. yourself up.
0: Let's, <laughs> yeah. let's so that go. transcends. From planning to planning a sport camp, that actually transcends right through to how the athletes are feeling as they, as they bail, as they uh, find success, as they land that jump. That's awesome, because when you said you can use it annually or quarterly, it actually it sounds like it becomes a way of being, and it just is who you are in any given moment. You're in one of those stages, and get to the end, you hit repeat. This is bringing up for me something that I've picked up from my new partners, the Roy Group in in Victoria, is that in the leader's journey, there is no expert, there's just people in practice. Mm -hmm. And if you add on that layer of the cycle and reviewing the the, um, planning, executing and reviewing on top of this idea that you never arrive, you're just in practice.
1: Yeah, so what that brings up for me is uh, humility, right? So there's not enough humility, and I value it tremendously. I think it's critical. I mean, who's got the answers, especially in today's environment, right? And I think it's so empowering as a leader to be able to say, like, I don't have the answers. I have no idea. Like, help me. Like, there's, and leverage the group, empower the group, right? And that next generation to to step up and step into that and then model that type of leadership, right? Which I believe sets an an excellent example. Those are the best athletes. Don't we love, we don't love the arrogant athletes. We love the humble athletes, the broken athletes, the overcomers, right? Right. That's that's what gets the heart. And I think, uh, yeah, the more as leaders, we can create those types of environments for our people, to thrive in is 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 what's needed
0: in a previous episode of this podcast i interviewed ryan walter 1000 games in the nhl and a stanley cup and the youngest captain of the washington capitals at the time and i said what's your most important leadership effective value and he went to humility instantly i love when you hear these through lines from people who are as passionate and interested in the topic as you and I it's uh what happens when you say that you don't have the answers too, and when you require that collaboration and group think a lot of research that we do at the supporting lines institute too shows that I mean the metrics of workplace engagement and people feeling valued and all the things that are a part of a high-performance culture, Mm -hmm. they have possibility to grow Mm -hmm. because of that humility. When it starts there, yes, the leader needs to set the vision for the organization. And once that's established, Mm -hmm. the rest, it's all correlated. It starts to fall into place, right? When you, when you open. Yeah. And you said, especially in this environment, not only in this pandemic, but in this era of knowledge-based industries where things change quickly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then on that note, I mean, vulnerability, right. So that has been uh, gaining traction, right. I think with a number of leaders and I, uh, I mean, I, I agree like to, to be able to put your guard down and um, throw Yeah. Just put your guard down and speak the truth and ask for help, right. You need to ask for help that goes back to being a captain, you know, it it isn't about us. It never has been. It never will be. It's about the team, right? It's about the capacity of others. And, um, that's, that's leadership. Yeah.
0: I'm going to leave with this thought that leadership is about maximizing the capability of those around us. And I love how you said it's not a, about us, it's about them. Mm-hmm.
1: And I can't leave this call without talking about empowerment like the ability to inspire and motivate someone else, you know, to elevate them, lift them up, make them feel like a rock star, tell them they're a rock star, you know, and watch them grow. Like, just watch them grow.
0: I love it. It fills you up. It fills you up. I can see it.
1: Oh, yeah. I just love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah.
0: Jen, one favor. Yes. When you pick up little bits of gold that just fire you up in that way in your leadership, send me a note. Share it with me, would you?
1: I will do that. And right back at you.
0: Right on. I have a feeling I get your
1: this, emails every Sunday.
0: <laughs> I have a feeling this isn't the last time we will do this. and I just uh, yeah, it's such an honor to uh, to connect in this way with you again after all of these years. And I want to thank you for taking time out of your uh, reopening in the middle of a pandemic phase of wind sport. and thank you for taking the time, and your team is lucky to have you as their leader.
1: Well, thank you, Nate. And uh, I have loved connecting with you, and uh, every time, I spend time with you, I feel inspired. I feel inspired. I feel, uh, motivated encouraged, uh, and courageous to be who I am. And so thank you for mirroring that back and, uh, lots of love at you.
0: Thanks for listening to leading with curiosity. Please share, follow, and rate the show so that other leaders can make positive change in the world. Connect with Nate at natelesley.ca. And remember, the brain behaves very differently when encouraged to think rather than told to listen.